Sometimes I was like, oh my God, I'm such a bad client because I'll therapize myself through the session. And they're just like, yeah, I was going to say that, but you already got there. And I'm like, yeah. Here's your money. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Cleopatra. I'm Christy Bana. I'm Lynn Molly. And today we have a very special guest, the one and only Mitra Karimi Telegani. And she is our first non-comic, and she's actually oh. a psychotherapist. Yay! So welcome. welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us, Mitra. We're so excited Thank to have you. you. Yeah. Me too. Nervous and excited. Why don't you start us off by telling us a little bit about you, your background, and your first-generation experience? I come from a Black and Persian household. My dad was born in a small village in northern Iran. He was born and raised there. And my mom grew up in South Central L.A., born and raised in South Central L.A. My dad's one of 10. My mom's one of 15. So I have a huge, extended, beautiful, multicultural family. Wow. Um, Lots of listeners for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They met in college in Santa Barbara. And they were neighbors. And they became really, really good friends. And then they had like a cute little love affair they dated and then they like parted ways life stuff happened lost touch for like a few years I think and then my dad said he like searched for her and they reunited and now I'm here <laughs> and, like, and he found her before the age of social media it sounds yeah like. yeah that's some real sleuthing that's a real commitment yeah he was determined <laughs> Persian men are very <laughs> romantic and determined I guess my parents are both like intellectual so I think they really vibed on that they're both retired now but my dad was a nuclear engineer and then my mom was a professor of african history so the bar was really high like for <laughs> us um it was really emphasized like education is very important specifically my mom was like yeah no one can take that away from you so far the one thing i feel like that's tied all our guests together is the education component mm, yeah, that's a um, good point. it's so funny because people treat immigrants you know how they speak slowly to them and mm -hmm. treat them like they're less than and then they're all so remarkably educated and committed to education my parents always said when we were growing up that the one thing you can never the two things you can never skimp on were healthcare and education mm. and i carry that with me and, and also, she added a third, which is wine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Good wine. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah. After they met, obviously, they yeah. had you. What was your growing up experience like? In my family, obviously, and their friends, it was like super diverse, lots of different cultures, lots of different religions that I grew up around. In school, however, we were in private school because I think my mom just felt, because she, she did grow up pretty like poor and didn't get to go to private school obviously and she, in her mind I think she was just like private school is going to be a better education for my kids so I was in private Catholic school from kindergarten to actually my senior year of high school um, remind me your family isn't Catholic no I was definitely raised Muslim I wouldn't say that our family's super religious I feel like we're Muslim culturally if that makes sense yeah I identify with Do that you, a lot yeah yeah so I was in Catholic school, definitely dealt with a lot of bullying. I was, there was not that many students of color, specifically in actually the kindergarten to eighth grade, because that was one school. There was very few of us, definitely not 
anyone with the same mix as me. <laughs> so I <laughs> right. always just felt really like isolated. Um, and there was a lot of bullying, a lot of racism. Also, it was a thing of like, whose parents made more money. So it was like a lot of class stuff and race stuff that happened. And so that was tough, honestly. It was it was really hard. Were the are the teachers nuns? Is this real? Am I making this up at a Catholic school? You know, there were more nuns at my high school than at the kindergarten to eighth grade situation. Okay. I'm just curious, were they sympathetic to your plight? Did they recognize the teachers? Yeah. H- hell no. <laughs> <laughs> and I still remember Don't every one of you. Heavens no. <laughs> um absolutely not. <laughs> okay, absolutely great. not. They definitely witnessed a lot of the bullying and didn't I mean I feel like they had their own prejudices and you know, especially um like after 9-11, oh, the bullying was just way worse. Oof. Yeah, no, teachers didn't do anything, anything at all. Actually, the high school is not as bad. It was a little more diverse, the, the area that it was in. And um, it was an all-girl Catholic high school, so it had other... I didn't realize issues. I also went to an all-girls Catholic high school. Oh, okay. And there yeah. were some nuns, but uh, some, yeah. there were more nuns in my K through 8 Oh, really? Catholic, yeah. I'm like, I don't remember there being a lot of nuns in my K through 8, but we definitely had mass like regularly yeah. and there was definitely a priest or more than one priest. What did you do during mass? Did you just kind of like roll your eyes and check <laughs> out or did you like no, smoke a cigarette kinda... in the back <laughs> slowly? <laughs> oh, in high school, you yeah. mean? I mean, well, I would like rebel in my ways where I wouldn't wear a, like my skirt on mass day and yeah, then I get Saturday detention I just like always had Saturday detention <laughs> no so. they weren't gonna like kick you out of the right. school because your parents it's are a, paying well it's also a, like a uniform infraction is not the same yeah did you guys have a uh, no smoking in your uniform I know that girls would get if they were outside off of campus but in their school uniform and smoking you could get detention for conduct outside of school honestly I don't even think anyone was really trying to do anything spicy like that I feel like (laughs) so I don't think we had any rules like that but they did so when I didn't wear my skirt they did have some skirts up in the attic that were like ancient (laughs) and super long yeah of course and like I would have to wear that and smelled like mothballs or something (laughs) and I'd have to wear those and that was a whole thing I was actually thinking about how all of us used to roll up our skirts. And I'm like, why did we do that? I think just to be like, I can have a short skirt if I want. But we also always wore shorts underneath. Right. Yeah. Like that was the thing. Yeah. We wore boxers. Yeah. Underneath. We totally wore Bo- boxers. Boys boxers. That <laughs> okay, was like so a thing. Is, yeah. yeah. This is that a was universal a, thing. A Catholic schoolgirl thing. Yeah. This was also kind of like a field hockey thing. Did you ever play field hockey growing up? Absolutely not even a little bit. (laughs) Neither did I. I don't know what you're talking about. Field hockey. (laughs) No? No one else? Okay. No, I was no. the least athletic person. Listen, I was trying so hard to fit in. That's Just okay. Give me field it was like Lady Bird. Have you seen Lady Bird? It <laughs> yeah. was like that, except no boys at the school. I tried to be a little bit sporty because my mom was like, thought it would be well-rounded for me to like do a sport. So I think I ran track and like cross country. I hate running. Me too. But I did run 
track and cross country. And I did like the long distance running. Yeah. That was like my thing, probably because I wasn't fast enough to do it. Like, well, because as a Middle Eastern person, our greatest strength is enduring. <laughs> I, we're, resi- we're resilient. I would sooner run for office than run a marathon. <laughs> I, would, I fucking hate running as well. So yeah. I feel you. Yeah. I want to know after high school, like where'd you go to college? And when did you realize that psychotherapy was your path? I went to UCLA. Well, I went to a community college, did two years, and then transferred to UCLA. And I did gender studies with a minor in education, actually. I had started, like, volunteering and interning in, like, social work spaces. And also, you know, I've dealt with depression and anxiety, and I have my own trauma. So I think, in a way, I was, like, seeking to understand myself more. And also, I have a lot of loved ones who deal with depression and anxiety and so I think it just was not I just naturally went in that direction so even though like undergrad wasn't me focusing on that I was still interning and like doing the work even though I wasn't like specifically studying it at that time and then I went on to get a master's in social work um, in a really small university in Virginia and that's a whole story but I mean do we want to talk about Virginia (laughs) let's do it what's I really wanted a change of scenery and I was feeling really down um, living in LA and I don't know I just I was like I want to be around nature like I felt like I needed that and that it would be healing for me so the person I was dating at the time was from this rural area in Virginia and they had like shown me pictures and I was like oh yeah that's beautiful I want to live in the middle of the forest like let's go it was beautiful I loved living I lived on like I think I want to say it was 15 acres of national forest. Wow. And it was gorgeous. Yeah. I loved waking up and just like seeing just trees and like little deer and it was it was beautiful sounds like a disney movie yeah and then i went into the town (laughs) (laughs) i used with your basket (laughs) just cue the beauty and the beast (laughs) (laughs) there was two gas stations i think and so i would go to like the same one on my way to work and school whatever because it was like on my way and i would see the same group of old men standing outside and I would always be like all bubbly, like, oh, good morning. And they were just like, <laughs> wow. wow. And I was like, okay. And I did that. I was like, all right, we're doing this. We're doing our routine every morning. Yeah. I say, good morning. And then they say, <laughs> no, the baker with his tray, like <laughs> always. And they're just like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. It was definitely culture shock for me. I think I wasn't, I didn't really think it through. It was a little bit of an impulsive decision. I was just like, I need to get out of here. I want to be in nature. Impulse grad school is a new one. I've never heard of. <laughs> I just like on a whim well, decided. At that point, I had been interning at a private practice and I had been doing social work and and stuff already so I knew already like okay I'm gonna get my master's in social work like that was already it was just about like where Mm. so you were in Virginia and then what prompted you to move back to California I graduated um, got my master's and then the tiny house that we had well I didn't build it, but there was a tiny house (laughs) built that we were living in and it burned down like with all of like books, pictures, all of my stuff. Um, And it was wild because it happened right after. I think we had just taken my parents to the airport because they had come for my graduation 
and the wood stove had been going because it was cold. It was sad, but I was kind of in shock because I was just like, I can't do anything about this. So I just like watched it burn down. Wow. <laughs> and I had bought impulsively bought tickets to South Africa as like a treat for myself for like graduating from grad school and like, surviving a completely different setting and having all this culture shock moving from LA to so yeah so then like a day later after the tiny house burned down we were like on the plane going to South Africa and that was interesting because we like we're still trying to deal with that while we were my god it was a whole thing but also maybe nice to step away from it for a second yeah and it actually really changed my relationship to material things I just don't Mm. really feel too attached to anything material anymore after that it was really surreal to just watch all your shit burn up I'm not like a name brand girly or anything like that it was actually sentimental things like photos and it was hard I'm so attached to material things I know it's such a bad quality to have but I just yeah whenever I hear something like that the thought of the photos and the yeah photos and like little knickknacks I love a knickknack <laughs> so much they call it kerekib my parents All have the a kerekib. lot of kerekib in yeah their house. <laughs> mine too yeah a lot of mm-hmm. gold it's kerekib in our blood <laughs> everyone's house just mm-hmm. looks like a flea market yeah. uh, um, also i i defend my hoarderism as um <laughs> hoarderism? as women are evolutionarily designed to be gatherers so i am doing my evolutionary it's your duty. nest <laughs> yes. so i have a question i know that uh mm-hmm. You do a lot of psychotherapy and mm-hmm. trauma related, but you also deal a lot with sexuality mm-hmm. in your practice. Yeah. And one of the things I'm really curious to hear about is what your experience was forging into that territory that is so taboo. I, I mean, at least yeah. in, 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 I think in general, it's safe to say Middle Eastern culture, oh, yeah. you know, sexuality mm-hmm. is not talked about widely mm-hmm. and celebrated. Mm-hmm. It's, <laughs> You know, it's very much something to be in the shadows or just whatever taboo. And so how did you feel like your culture or your parents or your upbringing intersected with that? Great question. You know, (laughs) I'm like all adjusting. (laughs) Yeah, sex was not talked about in my house and if it was even and if I had it my way I'd not be talking about this podcast no chance. I'm just kidding I'm kidding no and if it was even like mentioned it was definitely like something that I should have no interest in you know what I mean right. and so I don't think my parents were like intentionally trying to be shame us or anything but I just think they they didn't feel comfortable with that topic so yeah, I but obviously I I was always curious and I think because there was so much taboo around it, it made it more interesting to me. So yeah. Did you get a sex talk growing up? <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> I didn't either, did you? A sex talk? What? <laughs> I'm still on the wait list to to get mine. We'll, we'll talk to you after. <laughs> okay. I'm thinking of just Googling it and getting it over with. I've just been answers. waiting patiently. <laughs> yeah, it was just not it was not a thing. Um, but I, I did unfortunately feel like I had a lot of shame around my own like desires and just being a sexual person but I'm a human obviously it's a part of being human and it's a beautiful thing and on top of just it not being talked about within the family 
our sex education here is just like shit anyway. Like it's just not very good and it's not it's abstinence is what they're yeah, trying it's to just, teach. And I was in Catholic school. They're like, if you have sex, you will die. No. <laughs> it's not just you'll die. You'll then after you die, you'll go to hell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's like a long lasting ramifications. I um, was like, oh, I'm not Catholic, I'm safe. No, I'm just kidding. But um <laughs> I took one human sexuality class and then I was like, oh yeah, this is <laughs> it. And I just like dove in. And so a lot of my research has been human sexuality related in undergrad, grad school. It's just always been focused on um, human sexuality. Every, I read so much stuff all the time. I, a lot of what I do is, is helping people overcome shame about their desires. And I also, lately I've been working with a lot of couples, a lot of poly non-monogamous couples and like couples that are just embarking on their like kink journey or kink BDSM journey. And just my intention is to create a safe container where they can feel like they can express themselves authentically and they're affirmed and not shamed. And also like I give them resources and, you know, psychoeducation where it's necessary. And I think it's really important to do that work, especially because, especially with like our communities, mm -hmm. because there was no talk about it and there's no real compre comprehensive sex education. I think it's, it's getting there, but there's still so much, like even on, social media like there will be a lot of sex educators who are providing really good information and resources but they get shadow banned or whatever mm -hmm. or they get like their accounts deleted um. and stuff like that and so it's it's just there's still so much shame and it leads to like repression and just people hating themselves or thinking they're so weird or fucked up or yeah it makes me sad hearing a lot of the stuff that comes up I feel like the literature and the research on polyamory and non-monogamy mm. must be so recent is that true or do you think that it's I'm not saying that polyamory and non-monogamy are new I'm right. just saying that it seems like it would be like a new part of the research that they don't teach you in school as part yeah. of your basic sexuality class or no, am I wrong that's accurate I mean I I don't know about like right now because it's been a while since I was in school mm, that makes sense but yeah, I feel like people are more comfortable talking about it now and more people are open about it. Like maybe they were already in that that kind of structure, but they didn't feel comfortable talking about it. And to this day, some people still like their family members don't know, but that is the way that they're conducting their marriage or relationship structure in general. Um, there's something about, okay, there is something I want to talk about about polyamory and non-monogamy because I don't know if, have you seen the language where it's like ethical yes, or yeah. like consensual? And I'm like, babes, if it's not ethical or not consensual, then it's probably infidelity. But I think those words help people feel comfortable with the idea of non-monogamy and polyamory in general because, right. you know, it's just like that those extra words are like, okay, it's like, a good thing. You were already imbuing whatever you're saying with a moral valence, which is just weird to me in the you know, but I do not know anything about that 
world and I also don't want to sound ignorant and or judgmental so no you don't sound judgmental I think it's wild you know <laughs> no or ignorant, ignorant you do or ignorant no I meant <laughs> she's a judgmental monogamist <laughs> no no not at all and there's just like different ways that you can structure a poly non-monogamous relationship and like there's different language like some people just say they have an open marriage or open there's different ways to do it I really like the um phrase kitchen table polyamory and it's just this concept of like everyone kind of being friendly with each other like additional partners if there's like a primary partnership they're all really amicable with one another is it because they're all at the kitchen table together (laughs) is that the metaphor I think like that's that's probably why it's called kitchen table I'm imagining fondue is a big part of it (laughs) oh I was thinking there's a carpet (laughs) (laughs) eating with your hands feeding each other yeah Yeah. exactly (laughs) so many of my friends have come out as non-monogamous in recent years and Mm -hmm. they are just living their best lives and it's so Mm -hmm. beautiful to watch and to see like new ways of being like why are we so tied down to it has things have to be a certain way I think it's just been really amazing to just see the development yeah I agree and there is a lot of conversation about it being more about just relationship just love being more expansive and friendships being just as important as romance or even having like platonic romance with friends in a way it just I think love as an expansive, not like a limited resource. I don't know. Limited resource sounds like a weird way of saying it. How was um, coming out to your parents as this is a specialty that you work on or do they even know? No, they do know. They do know. And actually, I think because they're both intellectuals, they're like, "Mm, fascinating. You know, (laughs) like mother, father, professors, uh, (laughs) please have a seat. (laughs) I shared with them, I think like early on, because I would share some of my research topics that I was working on when I was in school or just and, you know, sometimes I they ask about my work and I'll share with them. (laughs) I think they're still kind of like. Okay. You know, there's some things that they're still like trying to wrap their brain. I mean, the kink thing, they don't, ri- they're just like, what? You work with what? But um, <laughs> polyamory and non monogamy, it's been easier to kind of talk about that actually than kink, BDSM, mm-hmm. the si- other sex related things that I help or support people with. <laughs> I was like, help them help through. with <laughs> facilitate. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Part of your practice is it's uh, working with BIPOC mm-hmm. clients is yeah. something that's really important to you. Very important. Yeah. Yes. Maybe we could talk a little bit about like how you find clients and now referrals. it seems like it's a lot of referrals. So and that's such a huge compliment. And I feel like the best way, especially if it's from like a past client or just someone that knows how you practice, that person kind of already knows a little bit about you and your style and so it's more likely that it could be a good fit you know how do you Um, know uh do you is it like a gut feeling whether somebody's a good fit or is it i I imagine that it's like a spectrum of like there are some people who are very direct about like this is what i need this is what i i would like and then there's some people who are like i don't know or they they're not able to articulate what they need out of a therapist sometimes i can tell just by how they email me honestly mm. and i'm like hmm or the things that they that they focus on i'm oh, like shoot. okay I might do you mean i shouldn't be. send an intro email with what the fuck is up <laughs> <laughs> no it's you just, up <laughs> it's, <laughs> 
it's hard it's hard to put into words but it's just something about and sometimes i'll be like oh no i'm like overthinking it and i'll go ahead and do the consultation and then i'll be like yeah this is not a good fit you know but yeah most of the time it's like depending on what kind of support they're seeking like i'll be able to know like if i'm the right fit for them if i can support them but sometimes I'll think that and then we'll have a couple of sessions and it's like obviously not and it's more of a personality mismatch, you know, because I think the most important thing about just like good therapy, I feel like is the relationship that you can build with your client. Like if you can actually like vibe with each other and connect, I think that's really important Yeah, because you're, I mean, people are like telling you things that they haven't told anyone that they you know like deep like really deep sensitive yeah sensitive subjects that they don't share with others and it's important that they feel like they can trust you and that you build rapport sometimes it'll take a couple of sessions and then you realize like okay maybe this is not a good fit it's really hard to have that conversation but sometimes I luckily have experienced that we're both kind of feeling like okay maybe it's Mm -hmm. not a good fit and then they they'll say it and I'm like yeah okay good but it's something that a lot of therapists are like how the how the fuck do you like say that right it's also hard to ask from for what you want from a therapist too like I had a therapist for many years who was wonderful but I felt like this is gonna sound weird and it's also gonna warrant additional therapy but I felt like she was too nice she was like too nice to me like I wanted her like I wanted to say something and I wanted her to be like do you really think that's true Or like, Mm. I wanted her to push back on me more. Yeah. And she just validated every stupid fucking thought I had. And I wanted her to be like, that's bullshit. And basically I like wanted her to be mean to me so that I could be nicer to myself. No one's going to tell me the truth. I have to be mean to me now and tell myself the truth. So you wanted her to like challenge you. Yes, I know. Yeah, I'm being mean is not, is not the right (laughs) way. You know, I'm like, I mean, wanted her to push no. back and like be like, that's bullshit. I will say I understand that because as your friend, one thing I've noticed that I find very um, that I really like about you is that if you are on your bullshit and I call you out on it, you immediately go, yeah, you're right. And so many people don't do that. They mm. get so defensive. Mm. And I, I always admire that about you. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, it's really a powerful Healing. quality. That is admirable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, yeah, so sometimes I just felt like I was having to play, you know, both sides of the tennis match or I'd hit the ball and then run across the net and then hit the ball back over. And then she'd be like, wow, this is great. Like, (laughs) you know, and I'm, I am aware that some people find it hard to ask for what they want. So I try to ask questions early on to, so I can get an idea of how they want me to show up. I really respect that you do have so much empathy and you are able it is such a skill to create space for people so many people don't know how to fucking do it yeah that's very real and i appreciate you saying that yeah it's um this has been cleopatra thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) Um, on that note i'd love to talk about like how you take care of yourself given just (laughs) (laughs) given just i imagine the sheer amount of emotional weight you carry each day (sighs) <sighs> she's like, like i do I not drink. next question <laughs> i'm like next no i'm just kidding um i find myself if i don't 
intentionally move my body every day, I just feel so like, it's like all up in my shoulder. It's like, I'm just like walking around like this, you know, it's, Mm -hmm. I, I've also gone to therapy. I went to therapy for a really long time right now. I'm like in between therapists. Yeah. Um, I'm very picky about as you should be who I go to. How could you not be? You, you can see through their bullshit. Yeah. It's like a doctor going to another doctor. I have a friend who was a yoga teacher and she could not release during yoga because mm-hmm. it was, she was like, oh, what what flow are they doing? And why right. are they, what, how are they doing this? Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> yeah, sometimes I was like, oh my God, I'm such a bad client because I'll therapize myself through the session. And they're just like, yeah, I was going to say that, but you already got there. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. Here's your money. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but I have all these tools. I don't always, I'm not always able to utilize them. Like sometimes I feel really affected by the work and not because, and it's not like my client's fault or anything like that. I definitely don't want it to come across like that. It's just, I do care a lot and I haven't really, I was actually talking to another therapist about this. She was like, yeah, I did all the shit, all the fucking tools, all the visualizations, meditations, all the things. And it was still super hard to not take on some of the pain, right. you know, that it's you impossible. It, 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 if you're a fucking human with empathy, it's impossible to not sometimes. If it's water off a duck's back all the time, then you're not a good therapist, are probably. You gonna, I didn't are say you? it, but. <laughs> I did. Are you able to shut it off at night or do you feel yourself spiraling at the end of a long day? Just, you know, to tell the truth, sometimes I do, I do, I'll, I'll spiral. And it's more like, I hope I, I supported that person mm. in the right way or just like really sitting with something that I heard. Ugh, I don't want to get emotional on this. Sitting with something that I heard and just being like, oh my gosh, like that's so painful you know and just it's so sad that people have to go through certain things and obviously like I shared I've gone through things myself and so it's yeah sometimes it's really hard and sometimes I I do spiral like hoping that I supported the person in the right way or um that's really what the spirals end up being and sometimes I can be like okay like feel good about the day felt great feel like I you know, healed the world, (laughs) (laughs) solved it, did a good job. And I can like take off my therapist hat and just like be Mitra. It's funny. Sometimes my, my partner, well, you, you guys know, um, he'll be like clock out. (laughs) (laughs) He's like clock out already. It's like a little joke though. It's not like in a mean way. It's like very playful. I hope when he does a joke, you tell him to clock out. (laughs) Yeah. Stop being so charming, Dylan. (laughs) No, but I think I'm going to (laughs) start. Just give him the light. (laughs) Just shine my yeah. like phone light in a space <laughs> like your one minute or i don't know what do you yeah that's your minutes? one minute light you oh, need to shut minute. the fuck okay. up you get one minute i love how i still don't know anything about <laughs> I, like 10 minutes if you want to be real cute after he does it a little bit just be like hey babe you want the light at one or two minutes <laughs> yeah so now we are going into our question and answer portion i will ask the first question cleopatra viewed herself as a living goddess um when was a time you you felt goddess-like or supernatural or can you tell us about any weird or useless talents you have oh yeah I can do this thing with my tongue where it like looks like a clover 
Hold on. Wait, I need some water. I need some water for this trick. I, I need a cherry stem and a vodka tonic. And I'm going to make it disappear. Honestly, only, I think, well, wait, don't quote me on this, but I think only 17% of the population can do it. I don't know. Oh, there it is. All right. A beautiful W. Flower. <laughs> so can that's your useless, siblings pull that off? Is that genetic? It is. My mom can do it and my younger sibling can. I don't know if my older sister can. I'm going to ask her. Can okay. you wiggle your ears? No. Can anyone do that? I can do it. How do you do that? Christy is wiggling her I ears. I mean, you can't now. <laughs> we all have. We like, don't have the technology to do it. I'm like, we all have like curly hair that's covering our ears. <laughs> I've been wiggling my ears this, this whole, time, whole time and you just didn't notice because my hair is here. Um, <laughs> that's fun. It's <laughs> my, doing my ear You're kegels. Yeah. Very important. Oh my God. <laughs> Your ears are so fit. Going back to the sex therapy topic. <laughs> no. Okay. Cleopatra wasn't actually Egyptian, but she embraced a lot of Egyptian customs. What is a super American custom you've adopted or alternatively uh, something from your own culture that you can't let go of? In Persian culture, there's something called tarufing. Yeah. Oh, you know, the taruf. you know this? Oh, Ooh, I don't know what this you is. Know this? No. I'm like, you know of this? I you know of this? I know of this. <laughs> And explain what taruf is to the, the people at home. Okay, so I literally had the longest conversation with my dad trying to figure out how to translate like what it actually is. And I think it's best explained in like examples. Say there's like four of your uncles, they went to dinner, and then the check comes. All of them are gonna be fighting for that yeah. check like that it'll be so the drama is real like they'll be grabbing mm -hmm. credit cards from each other all this and then it'll get like ang actually hostile yeah and meanwhile one of them was probably like i know this is the shit we're gonna go through i'm gonna like take the credit card right before actually my dad told me a story of like where one of his I, it was either his cousin or his friend i can't remember now but like had gone and like paid Right before it was like, here's my credit card before yeah. they even sat oh, down. Oh, all this eat. trick in the Middle Eastern book is getting up to go to the bathroom yeah. and giving the card so that you already paid and then right. everyone gets mad. But yeah, Taruf is the uh, obnoxious, invasive, competitive generosity of Middle Eastern people. Well, I like to think of it as like this ultra politeness, <laughs> this like ultra politeness. Yeah. And, well, specifically in Persian culture, it's like, being super kind of overextending yourself right. in a way like if someone comes in your house and is like oh my god you have a beautiful house and then you're like it's yours right you obviously exactly. do not want to give this person your house or you have to be careful who to compliment because you say nice ring they're like here have my ring it's you know you oh, don't want to yeah, be like absolutely they will take the shirt off of them if you're like oh my god i love that shirt okay it's yours and they'll like strip and give you their shirt um, it's funny because I actually looked it up. Like, I was like, how do people explain Taruf? There was like something on there that was like, make sure you at least go back and forth three times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, there's like a tactic a for it. There's a rule book. It, it looked like it according to the interwebs. And I think I have witnessed that happen. It's like, no, 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 no. Okay. You know, or yeah. But, um, I will oh, say I'm very familiar with this practice. You are. I just didn't know there was a name for it. Cause there's also not like a word to translate it to i don't think in english mm -hmm. 
I don't so. think it's a behavior in Western <laughs> Right. Whatever America is whatever the opposite of Toruf is, which is like cutthroat yeah, t- taking th- everything at everyone else's expense. My dad said something funny, like, yeah, here in America, like if you like offer something, people he's like, all they'll say is like, You sure? And then they take it. And I don't know why that was so funny to me, but I was like, you know what? That that is accurate. At the end of this podcast, when you're like, Thank you, I've had so much fun, me and Christy are gonna be like, You can have this podcast. <laughs> this is your podcast now. It's your take it you have to do it now it's it's take it and run with it's your baby don't drop this baby um Mm -hmm. cleopatra was the queen of luxury what's like a luxury you don't skimp on you know what baby wants baby (laughs) (laughs) i do have to say like when i really want something i i give myself that abundance mindset like i said i'm not into like you know name brands and all that stuff but if I I think it's more like experiences you know like getting a massage or like so I will definitely not even think so I'll be like yeah okay whatever I'm paying whatever it is like I'm gonna treat myself um and I think actually that is part of how I take care of myself is I don't like if I really really want something then I'm like you deserve it babes (laughs) (laughs) I love that yeah that's really we all deserve it babes (laughs) Mm mm-hmm not me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> okay. I mean, Cleopatra was a known seductress. Yes. What is your best meet cute or pickup line either that you used or somebody used on you, even though you don't need, need any pickup I, lines? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't think I've ever used a pickup line. I do love the art of flirt, like just the art of seduction and flirting. I, I do love it. And I feel like I'm a natural flirt, a self-proclaimed natural <laughs> flirt. <laughs> Um, and I think I just kind of do it with my eyes, you know, <laughs> I don't feel like I have, I say a thing. I feel like I'm just like, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> you should teach a class on that you alone. Should. Um, and I, I think it's like very specific to whoever you're flirting with. Like it's a, it's just a vibe, you know, <laughs> um, don't you and your current partner have a cute, like meetup story yeah I think you don't have to tell it though (laughs) it's pretty cute it's pretty cute I did oh my gosh I did kind of use a pickup line because (laughs) I felt like we were kind of like making I I was doing my eye thing (laughs) I felt like we were making eyes and it was when I was I was working as a bartender a wine woman (laughs) um as my little side hustle, which was super fun. And I worked with some of my friends, so it was really fun. But um, he used to come in a lot and he was always really sweet and polite and he just seemed really interesting to me. And he was also one of the only people that didn't creepily, (laughs) (laughs) creepily flirt with me. And then I was like, but wait, why didn't he flirt with me at all? (laughs) So I had been trying to like be like, oh, like lightly. And then I was like, okay, he's not getting it and one time he came in and like I knew I had seen him in there before and I was like do I know you from somewhere and he was just like no I don't think so and I was like are you sure have we like met somewhere else that was like the I did I feel like that was a line yeah that that is a line do I know you from somewhere and I'm like are you sure have we like met somewhere before and he was like i just got one of those faces like totally oblivious. that's so funny he's like nope maybe you know me from here have a nice day ma'am 
And then you did your tongue clover like three times. You're like, this glass of wine's on me. He's like, thank you. Actually, I insist that I pay. And then he walked away politely. Glass of milk and straight to bed for Dylan. He was really oblivious. And so I finally was just, and I think, you know, he was being, later when we like talked about it, he was just trying to be respectful because he was like, well, you were working. Like, so then I just had to like, slide into his dms and be like hey i think you're cute we should hang out he's like i think you're cute too and i'm like let's hang out yeah and and that was that but i did i did try a line i guess i i did and it didn't work. <laughs> now it's time for a segment called Dig Deep. These are the two questions we ask every single guest. The first one is Elizabeth Taylor, uh, famously portrayed Cleopatra in the 1963 film. If your life were mm. a crossover of two TV shows or films, oh, yeah. what would they be and who would play you? Ooh, this is so hard. And I have to say there's like never been relatable Care, or have you two felt well okay no I'm going into like therapist mode. I'm like oh, how do you two feel about this um, don't turn this back on me I've never seen a relatable storyline or character even when I've like actively sought it out mm. even if it's like something culturally is relatable it's like the personality is not so this is a really difficult question Masters of Sex meets, <laughs> meets Insecure and no, I loved Insecure that's a good yeah. too. Okay, wait. Okay, you know Insecure was a good one. Yeah, so. that, that's a pretty complicated, relatable show. That has to be like the most relatable show that has existed. <laughs> yeah, no, that Insecure I really like. I'm glad that you brought up Insecure because for some reason I didn't even think about that one. I also there also are a few actors that are persian and black yara shahidi yeah yara shahidi she's in grownish and, and blackish in england oh no gorgeous. i forgot her name but actually i thought the one in england like her vibe would definitely i would want her to play me all right sure. cool but uh, what's her name <laughs> we'll find it you're out there so one of them will play you i love that okay that's really cool i feel like biracial representation in media is also severely lacking it really is there was a something that yara shahidi was in recently where i thought it was so cool because her parents were it was a persian dad and um her mom was black in the movie and i it was the first time i had ever seen that wow and I was yeah. like, oh my God, I think it's... And that's how her, yeah, her dad's Persian. Her mom's yeah. yeah, and I think it was something like taking cakes to bars or something. I think that was the movie. So cute. But it was yeah, the pretty. first time ever. And honestly, I um, I got a little emotional about it. I was like, oh my God, wow. Actual representation does fucking matter. <laughs> you it know? really does. I'm so embarrassed that I saw this show. It was like a Bravo scripted original called Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce. And there was a Middle Eastern female lawyer who was a badass. And I she was Persian in it. Yeah. Too. yeah. And I remember being like, oh, and then being like, how basic am I that I'm like, it's me. <laughs> no, but that's so important. It's even more important for like younger people to see themselves. Mind you, I was like 30 years old already. And I <laughs> was like, wow. Yeah, because we're barely fucking getting That's there. That's how you know? long it took to yeah, get that. like literally. But I, I'm just shocked that like, it's, you know those like videos where they show the little girls that like, oh, the Little Mermaid's gonna be black and they show yeah. all these like beautiful yeah. little girls of color. Like, oh my God. 
what? And it's the most, I've like cried so many times looking at that oh. that uh, super cut of all these little girls. And then like cut to just this like 30 something <laughs> year old girl being like, I'm and she's brown to me. And, like, like, it's, it's like me. so stupid. I just have Middle to Eastern. absolutely plug it in case you guys haven't watched it. But have you watched We Are Lady Parts? <gasps> yes. Oh my gosh. The I, band. Yes. The it's, rock band. Uh, it's about Muslim. a Muslim, yeah, yeah female rock band. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I've heard I, of this. Uh, cried during pretty much the whole show that just to was see so great yeah that representation um so the ancient egyptians would bring treasures with them into their sarcophagus what would you bring with you or alternatively or in addition to what do you want your legacy to be you know i i don't know that maybe this sounds cheesy but i did always want to make a like a positive impact on the world like when I'm gone, I wanted people to think back and be like, what a nice gal. No, but um, <laughs> that's literally <laughs> verbatim what I said as well. <laughs> I was like, I just wanted to be like, she was swell. No, that's not cheesy at all. That's yeah, it was. It's really important to me. And I think it's really, really important to me that I while I'm here, that I help people feel seen and celebrated and heard, especially people that maybe have never felt that you know, especially the celebrated part, celebrated for their authentic self. I think it's really important to me that people feel like they can be authentically themselves in front of me and not feel ashamed of any part of themselves. Like that's so fucking important to me. So important to me. And, um, I think I, well, I, that's what I aim to do with the work that I do is Mm -hmm. create a space where people feel celebrated and affirmed and, and her, I think everyone wants to feel heard and, and seen, you know, and it's, yeah. So I think that that would be what I want my legacy to be like, just remembered for that. That's super beautiful. Yeah. And I think as uh, your friend, I can tell you you're already doing that for, oh, for me. In our hearts. <laughs> yeah. That was so lovely. I really cannot thank you enough for being here. We are going to wrap up. Um, Is there anything you'd like to promote or where can people find you? Uh, Would you like to plug your social media? Black Market Therapy is my my therapy Instagram. And it has like my my website where I can be reached. We really appreciate you being here. Um, I've been Christy Bana. I'm Lynn Molly. I'm Mitra Karimi Saligani. Thanks so much. Please don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, and follow if you like us. Thank you so much. Goodbye.